That was an unsuccessful follow-up to uh, I Kissed a Girl, I Kicked a Poo. I Kicked a Poo and I liked and it. And he liked it. This week on Walking the Dog, I went out for a West London stroll with comedian Matt Lucas and his two gorgeous Labradors, Hob and Milo. We had a really nice afternoon in his local park and even though Matt's quite discreet, he had on a baseball cap and an Arsenal anorak, he still got so much attention and love from people wanting to come and have a moment with him and pay their respects. He's basically the Taj Mahal in human form, but much funnier. Oh, and I should say Matt's book, The A to Z of Me, has just come out and it's really funny and touching. I recommend it highly. And he hasn't even paid me to say that. Can you even? Oh, one last thing. Can you rate and review this podcast on iTunes just because I love you if you do? I'll still like you if you don't. You'll just get a hi instead of a hello. It really smells of dogs in here. I just noticed it. Oh, don't, Matt. Well, you know, I just got a dog, so my place is like the world's biggest animal toilet. Oh, really? I got a shit so doggy. Oh, that's nice. He's very cute. Come. Uh, Actually, I'll tell you what, I I usually put the the leads on at the end of the road. It's fine. Do you? Okay. Bye. 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 See you later. So we've got Hob. It's Hob and Milo. Yeah. Hello. That was Hob banging his tail. Yeah. Rather frighteningly, like Wagner against the dustbin. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Oh, ignoring. I forgot the poo bags. Oh, I've got one. No, I've got them, actually. Have you got them? Yeah, I sort of keep them in my pocket, actually. We're all good. Do you know what I love about Matt Lucas? He's always got a poo bag. Always. (laughs) That's just for me, never mind the dog. (laughs) That's for me, Matt. Come on, boys. You you haven't seen me for a while, but I need that. Oh, we need, I need to introduce the podcast. Yeah. This is Walking the Dog. Yeah. I'm with Matt Lucas. I'm Emily Dean. I'm with his two dogs. It's Hob. That, that's Hob there. <laughs> and Milo. And Milo, yeah. And Hob is a... He's a Labrador with some German Shepherd in him, and he's eight and a half, and he barks non-stop. Yeah. And Milo is ten and a half, and he's a chocolate Labrador. But we're in a, a lovely area of... Um, London. London. West London. And I would say, I'd describe where you live as very Richard Curtis. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Yeah, Although we're not in Notting Hill, but it is. No, that's true. We're not that far from there. No. It's, um, but the look it's of lovely, it. yeah. I live, I live in the US now. I thought you did But this is where that. I am when I'm here. Yeah. So, for instance, no, don't eat petals, Milo. Milo, come. Good boy. And we'll put the leaves on them now. Shall we? Okay. Hob. Hobby, come. So you're, in, you're saying you're in, you're in L.A. a lot of the time now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, so I'm in L.A. a lot of the time, but the last year I've been in, in Wales. Oh, so, yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, because you've been doing Doctor Who. Do take hobby? Yeah. Well done, Milo. Milo, come. Milo, come. Good boy. So I've been doing Doctor Who. Yeah. And because um, I was going to be away from home for about a year, I brought the dogs back over from the States. So and is that complicated at all, bringing them over, or is it okay? Well, all these people tell me these stories about how you can kind of say that they're a service dog or a, a compassion dog. There's some weird phrase. It's not that. Do you know the phrase oh, I'm talking okay. about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can take them on the plane for free. Yes, but yeah. No, mine dogs go in the hold. But, I mean, they really have. They've been to America five years ago when I moved there. And a year ago they came back. And they've been here for a year. And we're all going back in three weeks. And when did you so, get them? So I don't, right. take them, I don't take them back and forth very often. Yeah. Uh, let's go this way. 
He's going. Well, because we're going. He thinks we're going to the park. <laughs> Hobby's we charging ahead. Park. I love it. I'll swap you. So yeah, you know what? I'm going to have the old man of the sea. You, you have can the have the young man. buck. Yeah. Come on. I'm going to have you. I'm going to swap over. Come here. There we go. So have you, have you always had dogs, Matt, when no. you were growing up? No, never had dogs. And my late partner really wanted a dog. So Milo was the dog we got together and Hob was the dog he got Aww. shortly before he died. And so I took him in. So, oh, how lovely, Matt. Yeah, so these are my... These are my dogs, yeah, so I never really planned on having dogs. Really? Were you a doggy person no. when you were growing up? Were you not? I was terrified, and in fact, my memories of being, you know, a child or going on a, you know, a play day to someone's house when I was sort of four, five, six years old and yeah. in somewhere in Stanmore, you know, with those uh, corrugated glass, you know, windows on the front door, and you'd ring the bell and you'd hear a dog barking and you'd <laughs> see the paws of a giant dog up against the... The glass and then I would just be sort of freaked out and terrified really? and there would always be whoever's mum holding the dog back yeah. and having to <laughs> shut the dog in a room because I was too afraid of dogs Did you, which I mean when you're small dogs are enormous yeah no I'm not allergic to dogs I am actually allergic to cats oh, which is you? a shame because cats are brilliant I love cats selfish bastards though man. they are but you know that, that's fine but I, yeah. I love cats but um <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm allergic to them. So I'm sort of getting a really strong idea of your childhood because I just finished reading your book, your new book, which is out. Yeah. It's called, it's Little Me. Little Me. The A to Z of Matt Lucas. That's that right, it? because, yeah. I, because um, I thought I'll do an autobiography, but I just didn't want to start at I was born, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, what I've yeah, done yeah. is that it, there's a chapter for every letter of the alphabet. Which so really B like. is for baldness and yeah. G is for gay and J is for Jewish and on yeah, like yeah. that. And then so I can then I can really get into subjects and leave out the boring bits. Okay, right. Where should we go in here? Let's just walk we around go here? here. We'll just walk we're, up we're, and maybe we'll go by the canal. We're coinciding with the uh, school kids coming out. So yeah. I'm sure the labs are going to go down well. Maybe we'll go up near Little Venice. Okay. Oh, lovely. But yeah, I really, really loved your book. You painted such a vivid picture of your childhood. And I had this sense of you as this little boy who just seemed sort of quite a lot of odds stacked against him in some ways. You yeah, know? lots of people have odds stacked against them. I don't have a monopoly on it, but um, yeah, there were things, you know, little challenges here and there. I, I lost yeah. my hair when I was six. Yeah. And so that just kind of, uh, that would gave people a focus on me that I probably wouldn't have had. Do you think so? Yeah. And there's just, you know, other things, but, but... Um, everyone's got their things to deal with, haven't they? But I thought, I, I remember when I was reading it and you were talking about how, I hadn't even thought of that, Matt, that actually back then, losing your hair, there weren't, you say, there weren't bald role models. You couldn't go and get wigs easily, you know. There weren't many. Some there children. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Silly dog, that's it's not, not very a silly nice. dog. He's a lovely dog. I'm mortally offended. <laughs> Child called my dog a silly dog. Come on, silly Let's go dog. Go this way. Come, Come on, silly on, dog. Silly dog. But yeah, you told this story about having to, you know, you go to a wig, and where do you go? There's like one shop or something, isn't there? Yeah, I got a wig on the National Health Service. In fact, I got two. I got a spare one, yeah. and they didn't make wigs for children then. I don't even know if they do now. So I was given this kind of ladies' bouffant wig and it was sort of about three times larger than my head and I wore it more like a hat than a wig and of course I had no eyebrows so it just yeah. looked so incongruous and I wore it 
for some of, I think in my last term or two at primary school, you know, because the idea was that I would wear the wig at secondary school. That was the, the plan. But uh, I wore it at primary school and, I, and it was just too hot, too itchy. And I just thought, what happens if I go to secondary school and then one day, three years in, it just falls off or blows off? Then everyone will know and I'll look ridiculous. So yeah. uh, I think I'd better just be me. And actually, I find that interesting that you were saying that, you know, you were sort of always used to having attention on you in some way, weren't you? Yeah, I had it whether I liked it or not. Yeah. Once, once my hair fell out because... Yeah, could could never could never hide in the crowd really after that. Yeah, but then I suppose you turn that into a positive thing, you know. Well, it's sink or swim, isn't it? I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, what are you going to do with that attention? Yeah. Was the question I had to ask myself from a young age. You know, but the, the, you know, if, if you look at it, it was a cosmetic thing. But kids used to tell me that I had leukemia, and I thought maybe I do, and no one's told me. So sometimes I wondered if it was a if it was the beginning of the end, which is it's quite, it was quite a strange childhood. The other thing was, that was quite weird was that everywhere I went, kids would just say, you got no hair, you got no hair. Really? Younger kids, older kids, you got no hair. Yeah. And it was a source of great amusement for people and fascination. And some people just thought it looked awful. And yeah. some people said, oh, it's so cute. But it was very objectified, I think. Yeah, yeah, I can age. see that. Yeah. And did you, it sounds like with your parents though, I think I met your mum years ago, I can't remember, but they, it seems like your childhood seems like what I would describe coming from North London myself as your classic sort of North London middle-class childhood. North West London yeah. middle-class Jewish childhood. Yeah. It was until, uh, until that happened and that just was, it was just slightly strange. And then also the other thing that happened, my parents split up and I yeah. write about this in the book, but my dad yeah. went to prison and yeah. that was just a strange thing to have to deal with because I, it wasn't like I lived on a street where one in five yes. people knew someone or their parents or brother or someone had gone to prison. You know, I didn't live in that kind of part of town. So there was no template for that, yeah. No, I didn't really have a frame of reference for it other than the TV show Porridge. So uh, I probably thought it was more fun than it was. And yes, that was that then was also... Your school, because that was you were at Haberdashers, I think, when that happened, weren't you? I was. I was yeah. in my first year yeah. at Haberdashers, where I was really struggling anyway, academically. So it was, it was, it was quite a lot was going on, and, it, and I, was, <laughs> I was studying for my bar mitzvah <laughs> as well at the time, which, as any Jewish man or woman who's been through it will tell you, it is the most, well, it's the biggest event in your life. And it's a day when you're going to have so much attention lavished on you and what no one really tells you is that if you were to make a mistake when you read from the yeah. Torah you know the Bible yeah, yeah, yeah. in front of the congregation it doesn't probably matter yeah. but no one probably it, no yeah. one gives you that sense at all I mean it is, it is seen as a vitally important thing that you read immaculately that you sing immaculately and even though I was like I like doing school plays and stuff it was still for every Jewish kid, just yeah. untold stress. <laughs> well, it was interesting because you also talk about what your, you sort of had a weird two bar mitzvah thing because you had one at home with your mum, didn't yeah. you? And then your then dad, the next weekend, he'd come out of prison by that point? Is that he right? had, or, yeah, 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 yeah. It he, was just a different, it was a very different kind of bar mitzvah. Because I, yeah. Yeah, I went to this private school and 
there was a lot of money going around, but we yeah. just didn't really have any. So it was a very different kind of more modest affair. And again, I didn't really have a frame of reference for that. I'd only been to really lavish ones. But um, yeah, of course, that doesn't matter remotely. But when you're a kid, it was just, yeah. it was just unusual. There, was just, there seemed to be things about my life that are unusual. But you know, I write this thing in the book about my friend Michael, who has cerebral palsy. And I mean, the challenges he faced at school and in life were far greater than any that I faced. It, it was important as well, like I say, and I do say this during the book, that although I did have a kind of challenging childhood, that it wasn't, that there are challenges and there are challenges, you know what I mean? And mine were challenges that could of definitely course. be met and dealt with. Of course, but I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's your life and you don't know any other life. No, now. you don't. And you've and coped you... with it the best you can and you've made it yeah. turned your life into a quite extraordinary, incredible life, a kind of inspirational life, I would say. Why stop there? <laughs> I've gone all over on you. No, I do. I really do. And But I relate to when you're talking about going to school. Yeah. I very much relate to being the sort of poorest kid in the posh school, which does sound very, oh, the world's sm smallest violin playing. Come on, I don't feel sorry for you. But what it teaches you, I think, is to, I always felt slightly other for that reason, which isn't a huge thing, I know. Yeah. But I felt different to everyone else. You know, it's that thing of, they'd come to my house, I remember lying and saying, oh, we've got 17 bedrooms. <laughs> well, they were going to find out, Matt. Why did I lie? Well, it's but, an interesting thing that I found since... You know, in adulthood is when I've encountered people who went to my school. Yes. I, I've learned that... Which way, Matt? This way? Uh, We're by the canal. It's very lovely here. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's cross I'm over. I'm following Lucas here. Go on. Yeah. Uh, I've learned that many people have come up to me and said, oh, I had a really hard time at school. And yeah. actually, we didn't have the money that everyone else seemed to have. And I struggled academically. Really? And I was like, oh, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And actually, there were a lot more people who were struggling with it, but some, there was some kind of conspiratorial nature in the school that you just didn't talk about that, you know? Yeah. You had to put on a face that everything was hunky-dory. Yes, but I, I was basically the stupidest person in a school of really clever people. Really? Yeah. Well, when you say stupid, I think you, it's a different kind of intelligence, isn't it? And you were a Well, let's say it was one that hadn't <laughs> developed yet. Yeah, I was just completely out of my but depth. But you were, you had a performer's intelligence. Yeah, no, I had, I had a smart, different bright, kind of... Yeah, yeah exactly. I had, extrovert. I had, I had enough, uh, I learned in adulthood, to get by. Yeah. But I just... It wasn't easy to use the skills that I had in that environment, particularly. And did you feel, when you realised that you were funny and you could make people laugh, which I presume happened at a relatively young age. It, it kind of, uh, yeah, I could kind of, I was indulged a bit, but there was this, there's definitely a moment which happened when I was about, it was actually after I'd been doing school plays and stuff. It was actually, there was a moment at a sleepover when I was about 15 or 16, where I just sat on a chair in the middle of the night. Everyone was in their sleeping bags. And the kind of, you know, there was about 20 school friends and they said oh Matt you know you're funny make us laugh yeah. and then I just did about an hour really yeah about the school and about stuff like that and everyone was in tears crying with laughter yeah. and I thought oh this is interesting because I didn't even know that anybody was going to ask me to be funny what's of doing impressions of people yeah, teachers and teachers and, and pupils and yeah and even then funnily enough doing impressions that were clearly not even even accurate impressions and that's some of the, you know, if you look at like Dennis Waterman in, 
in Little Britain that yeah. we did or yeah. stuff we did in Rock Profile where we go out of our way to do impressions that are inaccurate yeah. and yet somehow get Sorry, away with Matt, them. Sorry, Milo's seen a squirrel and it's all kicking off. He, he won't get that squirrel. <laughs> Even if you took the lead off, that squirrel will... Really? Does he yeah. do, what's going on here? Because so squirrels just, can go up trees and oh, my dog fast, can't. Yeah. yeah. He likes him though. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so you realised that you were kind of, you had funny bones. Well, well I, learned, I discovered it. I discovered yeah. it as well as uh, where everybody else seemed to discover it in, in that moment, that night. Yeah. And it was, uh, look at my dogs. They love those squirrels. <laughs> I'm going to let my, my dogs off the lead. They're not going to get the squirrels. Shall, we let, shall I let yeah. Milo off the lead? Yeah, yeah, let them off. Come they on. won't get the squirrels, don't worry. This is so exciting. I'm not a psychopath. There's no chance of them getting squirrels. <laughs> look, now that he's been let off the lead, That's he's it. got no interest. It's all bravado. This is men all over, I tell you. Yeah, you won't get a squirrel, Milo. No, it's not oh. going to happen. Oh, we've got a poo, though. Come we've on, let's go and let's deal, deal with the poo. Let's deal Bob's with the poo. poo. This is, sorry, you can't see, but it's actually me that's done the poo. <laughs> yeah, so, you, so that, that's interesting. So you had that sense and you thought, right. But then that, presumably that's nice because you think, well, I may not be academic, but I've got this in my locker now and I know... Maybe this will be something. Yeah, I and do, I think that's, that's what happened. Oh, the other one's I'll doing do the, one Why now. don't I do the other poo? I might be able to fit them both in the same bag. You know what? I love that about you. Always, always thinking of the economy drive here. Yeah, well, it's good for the environment. It's good for the it? environment. Oh, he's kicked it at us. Let's find <laughs> the other one. You had Where is it now? Where is oh, this There it poo? is. No, hang on. Hang I on. I can't please. see it. Okay, wait, Matt. Where is it? I think he did kick it. What, the whole poo? I swear he kicked the poo. Well, where is the poo? That was the unsuccessful follow-up to uh, I Kissed a Girl, I Kicked the Poo. I kicked a poo and I liked and it. And he liked it. Where is the poo? Seriously, because we're in kind of green area. Is it? Where did he put it? There's one bit of poo. Okay. I've seen one poo. Oh, yes, well But that's done. not the whole poo, is it? No. Wait. Milo, where did you do your poo? Oh, here it is. Oh, did oh, you get Do it? you know what? He's just done that's that. That's cold. I think that might be another dog's poo, but I'll pick it up anyway. Oh. What a mensch I am. I think that was, the, that was it. Always pick up a poo. <laughs> I like, do you like that about being a dog owner? Like, I always think, I like that responsibility because I think for my mental health, I know it sounds weird, but I like that I get up and I have to walk a dog and... Yeah, because sometimes, right, I go out and about and everybody's very nice to me, like unnaturally nice to me. Yeah. And then, and like, if I want a cup of tea, no one will let me make it and all that kind of stuff. When you're working, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all of that, you know, and somebody waits outside in a nice car to drive you to a job, you know, that they've yeah. laid on a car for you and all that. And Milo, wait. And, uh, and then I get home and, you know, my dogs are just looking at me like, yeah, are you going to take us out? <laughs> and then I take them out and it's raining. And then they do their business in the rain and I've got to clear it all up and dry them and... It's just a bit yeah. more grounding, isn't it? It's important to have something. But are you aware of that, do you think? Because, I mean, we, you know, I've never thought of you as very someone who sort of is like, right, I'm here, darlings, on the red carpet, you know. No, I don't really That's not do your much thing, red really, carpet, is it? to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. I've been to very few film premieres and all that because I just have a slightly better time yeah. at the multiplex kicking my shoes off and having some Ben and Jerry's and, do you know what I mean? I, I, I With do. a friend, I, I sort of enjoy that a bit more. I think the one thing is... You know, the thing about the red carpet is, I think if you felt more confident about who you were and how you looked, the red carpet would probably be a blast. But me, so. the last thing I really want to do is, is be photographed. So if you see me on a red carpet, it's usually because I'm in the thing 
or that's a very good friend and I want to go and support them, but you won't find very many red carpet pictures of me and that's probably a relief to all of us. I think the problem with red carpet... feels a bit self-important, doesn't it? I think you're dependent, so investing so much in the approval of other people and I think, as someone who's done a lot of therapy, I think that's the unhealthiest thing you can do, isn't it? Is to sort of put so much weight on that. So it's different to producing a bit of work or something like that where you're saying, I hope you like this. To just like stand there and ask to be judged like that, I think is a bit straight. I think it's unnatural. Well, I think it's much harder for women. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I you're mean, right. there every every flaw and imperfection is magnified hugely by the press. Yeah, and, that's true. That's true. You know, oh, you look too big. Oh, you look too thin. Oh, you look. You know, I mean, that's it's not so bad for me because I'm just still a kind of blob. But um, so, well, I just find them quite strange events because yeah. what happens is when you arrive at a red carpet event, what yeah. happens is. Someone's talking to you, but their eyes are wandering the carpet while they talk to you in case there's someone more famous, which invariably, in my case, there is. And so I've, I've done interviews where they just stopped during what I'm saying and just walked over to someone else. I, mean, I don't blame them, but it's, a, it's an unusual uh, affair, you know. So, I mean, if, you, if you're just going because you want to see a film, go and just go and see the film but at the Odeon. If you want to see a film, my attitude is... Like, don't put a dress. I mean, you know, not that you're having to do that, but don't. It's a lot of effort to go to to see a film. I'd rather just go to the film. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm. Do you um? Where Little Britain? My, when, when sorry that about this. Off. Sorry, Milo, come. Milo. Oh, he's gonna try and eat all the stale bread. Milo, stale bread for the birds. Good. Oh, good. He's left it. Good man, that's that was really good, obedient, wasn't it? wasn't it? I'm quite impressed by that. You've trained him it's well. Good hobby, leave it. Oh, they all want the bread. Hobby, it's very sheepdog training the way you do that. I like what, it. Hobby. hobby, come. Oh. Well, do you know what they respond? Dogs respond to deep voices Is with that authority. Right? Yeah, they don't respond to high voices apparently. No, I was going to ask you, you know, when you were doing Little Britain and that level of attention that you suddenly had on you was, I suppose, nothing could prepare you for that because it's no. the dream, isn't it? And you were doing brilliant work that you were proud of and it was uh well i wouldn't i, I mean proud of some of it i wouldn't we, i wasn't uh, like i don't have a, a kind of indiscriminate sense that everything we did w was good remote i don't have that at all actually but having said that matt when you started it, it was something you'd written it wasn't like you know what i'm saying is some people yeah we had a sense of ownership of yeah it. you become yeah. famous and it's in someone else's vehicle that you're not whereas that was your thing you started it you created it and you thought but then is that a weird thing that's Milo. Milo sorry I am listening Please it's just because we left him off the lead I don't know where he's gone now Milo I'm Milo, gonna go deep come. Milo good boy you see it works <whistles> Milo Milo there you go you see <gasps> Milo Emily deep <laughs> do you know that was a bit George oh, Dawes you know when George Dawes Milo. turns Milo come over here when George Dawes goes Ray Winston yeah. Which is my favourite. You, you chart. <laughs> so you were saying about Little Britain when yeah. it, when it so went big. So I was big. just saying when, and again, you talked about that in the book, about just that sort of slight insanity that happens to your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, Did you, how did you kind of cope with that? Well, I was very lucky. I was in a very loving, happy relationship. So, so with someone who, leave it, hobby, hobby. No. Leave it, leave it. Good boy. Sorry. I might have to put them back on the lead. Shall we? Yeah. Let's put them back on. You can keep all that on. Basically, they were licking something out of a <laughs> polystyrene thing. Oh, have you got him? Milo. What are you like? Look, Matt, how am I doing? Milo. Milo. Is that it? Good boys, yeah. 
Okay. Good so, boys. Yeah, you were saying. Yeah, so I was, I, to be honest with you, and, and my late partner wasn't interested in that world either, particularly, you know. He only ever, ever once said, can we go to something, which was a Doctor Who related thing, because he was a big Doctor Who fan. So we just kept ourselves to ourselves largely. We weren't that fussed. Yeah. And we just had a really happy life. Williams was very much more able yeah. and willing to embrace the showbiz lifestyle, you know, yeah. and he was much more skilled at it. And I think he got a lot more out of it, you know, and he was, that, he was just much more naturally sociable and, I mean, you know him, and you would see him around at things, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. And you probably wouldn't see me at so many of them. No. And he was just very, he's very confident. I've got this weird thing, which is this prosopagnosia, which is face blindness, which I write about in the book. And so I find it very, very hard to recognise people, even people I know. And there's a whole chapter about it in the book. And so often that has slightly hindered me going to events because of the social embarrassment of, you know, because I can be in a conversation with someone for 20 minutes and go to the toilet and come back to resume the conversation and not know what they look like. Really? And not know, yeah. Yeah, things like that. That's so, extraordinary. Yeah, I know, it's man. really weird, isn't it? So, hello. Oh, lovely to see you, man. Thank you, nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All the best. Thank you, and you. So he was, he was much more able to deal with it and he yeah. loved and he enjoyed it. Yeah. And then, and you know, we'd, we'd start work each morning and he would have all the tabloid papers, he'd buy all the papers and we'd look through them and he'd go, oh yeah, yeah, I met her, she was nice, he was nice, he wasn't so nice, she was great, blah, 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 copped off with her, blah, 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 blah. And we'd go, all oh, right. And then, and then, we'd, then we'd write some sketches. <laughs> but you were quite... Um, it was funny. ...disciplined about your, you know, you very much start at 10, did yeah, a Yeah, I think day. I'm not naturally disciplined like that at all, but David's brilliant at it and so really? he kind of corralled the pair of us basically and we'd start at 10 or seven minutes past given my timekeeping and we'd uh, it's not a cockapoodle he's a labrador with a bit of german shepherd in him oh right i'm all right thanks oh cool okay i got you thank you nice to meet you thank you bye-bye uh, awesome Thank you. Thank See you, you later. Bye-bye. I like being Matt's woman. My lady. <laughs> Look, some people are doing circus skills here. I love that. That's brilliant. That's cool. That's I, like think a, 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 I think it's called a Diabolo. Yeah, or Diabolo or something, yeah. Yeah, so you were saying, yeah, so David had that, was quite disciplined about the... Oh, yeah, David was really yeah. disciplined about it and really good at that. But it just worked, the two, the two of us. Is it called a, Di a Diabolo? Yeah, Diabolo. I thought it was, yeah. Very We're good. saying these guys have got this thing. How would you describe it, Matt? It's like it looks like a, an egg timer. On yeah, the it's side. like a large blue egg timer. Yeah. And these guys have each got a stick connected by a piece of string, and they're balancing. Yeah, in the it. park. It's, a circus, it's quite cool. Circus it's a circus thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, boy. With the sort of work you've done now, I look at like you're doing Doctor Who and your sort of musical theatre star, which I'm so impressed by. I don't know why, oh, but that you. really, but it really impresses well, me. Well, I'm surprised. You know that I've I've done well. I've done a couple of musicals and and what was the first one you did? One. Then? I did one called Taboo. That was it, which I saw. Yeah, you saw, yeah, yeah. which was uh, about fifteen years Brilliant ago, musical. a little lot more now, and was with um, and it was it was Boy George had written the music and it was a, a, a Boy George's life story, yeah. but also the life story of some other people like Philip Salon and Marilyn. Yeah. It's a brilliant uh, soundtrack. It, mm. The songs are fantastic and. Um, 
Luke Evans was in that, who's now got this kind of stellar Hollywood career. Yeah. And Declan Bennett, who just played Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar uh, to great acclaim and has had a great career. He was in that as well. And do you feel, I sort of look at your career and I think, well, that's sort of a lot of people's, that's a sort of dream career. I know it's hard to see when it's your career in a way, isn't it? You just, the phone rings and you think, well, that sounds interesting or I'll create this and this sounds good. But, you know, it's when you think of all the things that you've been able to do, does that, do you think, wow, you know, looking back, because it's not just, a lot of people want to be a performer, they want to be a comic, but it feels to me like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Renaissance man here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> master of none, but I mean, no, I'm really, really lucky. I'm really lucky. I mean, the thing is, because I don't feel like everything I do has to be really big, because then it just takes the pressure off. And also, yeah. I think something happened with Little Britain is because it w went as yeah. big as it did. Yeah. I um, just said to myself, well, probably nothing I ever do again will be as big as that. So if I don't feel obligated to try and make it as big as that, and if I can just liberate myself and just do the things I really want to do, rather than think, oh, that's the right career move, that's the wrong career move, then actually I can just have some fun and maybe challenge myself in new ways. So for instance, I did Les Miserables, but actually, you know, I did that concert and then I did three months in the West End. Now, if you were being really, really objectively careerist about it at the time there was a really big Hollywood movie and the producer wanted me to do it off the back of Alice in Wonderland yeah and I said no I'm really sorry I've, I've oh, done the Tim Burton movie that you've done yeah yeah, yeah. and I and it because it was around that time and I said I'm really sorry I've committed to doing Les Miserables sorry about Milo seen a squirrel but you know what happens then I don't blame him I'm the same as squirrels <laughs> little rats with tails don't like rats but ones with tails fabulous I know. Milo, come on, you know what, how this story ends. You're not going to get the girl. You won't, you won't ever, you've never caught anything ever, Milo. <laughs> Except the cold. Come on. Milo! No, I'm going to try this. Hang on, Matt. Milo! 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 You're just going to have to pull him. <laughs> Milo! Milo! If we were Matt, being objective, works. you did yeah. very well. Thank you. Then to go into Les Mis, which yeah. has been open for 25 years, mm. it's not like a big star sh wouldn't do that go into something that's already been on for 25 years and take over. You know, big stars would be like, yeah. well, I have to originate the role or yeah. it's nothing, you know, all of that. Yeah. Whereas I was like, oh, I don't care about that. I just love to be in Les Mis. Wouldn't that be the best thing in the world? Yeah. And it was even better than I could have dreamed, you know, and, I, and so many of my friends today, I met on that show. And so, because I kind of don't mind, because I just life. do the things I really want to do. Which is a nice position to be in, Matt. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask you in the book, which I loved, I really, found it interesting when you were talking about coming out. Don't tell anyone. Cut that <laughs> bit out. No one knows. Not even my mother. Milo. When she came to our wedding, I just said it was a friend. Well, so your go mother on. said something brilliant, which was, uh, in retrospect, obviously it's brilliant. At the time, it might have been quite difficult, but she said it was my fault. I smothered you. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, you know, a time, it's a, a period of time when people thought that yes. there was a relationship between how much time a boy had spent with his mother and the boy's subsequent sexuality. But I mean, I don't think, I think it's more nature than nurture. Yeah. I mean, acting upon those feelings might be more nurture because in some societies, you're not allowed to act upon them. But in terms of the inclination and the feeling that you should, that is nature, I believe. But it's funny, I remember Noel Fielding said once, I can't remember in what context, but he said, I think people that come out, he said, basically, it's like they're su super, they have a superpower, like they're superheroes. He said, most people, you know, you think the guts that takes to say that to people, 
Well, less so now, I hope. But having... Do you know what? I've got to tell you, you know, one of the things everyone says is, oh, it's easier now. Do you think it is? And in liberal society, yes. it's definitely easier now. I mean, there's no comparison. But actually, around the world, human rights are being eroded. And it's actually getting harder in some places. I think Milo ate that tissue. Oh, he didn't. I think he did. Oh, no, I'm going to really... Uh, Milo, come here. I really feel I've let you down if he's eating that tissue. Oh, it's all right. No, but Matt, I was on Milo watch. Come on. Doesn't Milo! Matter. It's gone. Oh, Matt. It's gone. It's not that I don't care. It's just that I knew I wouldn't have been able to stop it. <laughs> he does what he wants. Oh, no, I feel terrible now. So, um, you're going back to LA in when you finish... In three weeks, yeah. You're done in Doctor Who. Well... I'm not allowed to say whether I am oh. or not. That's how it works on Doctor Who. Okay. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Okay, I don't do so that. So I do know the answer. Right. And, I, and I'm not going to tell you the answer, but I am going back to LA. I can okay. tell you that. Okay, okay. And... Um, Which way are we going to go, here? Uh, yeah, we'll go back down here. Yeah. I'm going back to LA, and I'm going to start, I think... What are you doing now? Yeah, I was going to ask you. I want to write a musical <gasps> of my own. Oh, that's so exciting. Music, lyrics, book the lot. You seem, I would say you seem quite comfortable with yourself. Do you think that's fair to say? Um, yeah, you know, comfortable with some aspects. I still think my weight is something that I still need to figure out because I'm bigger than I want to be. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like I have to be Slim Jim, but um, I'd like, like to lose a bit of this because there's a bit too much going on. Mm -hmm. But um, career-wise, there's things I want to do. And I'm not necessarily in the position where... I can just get something made because I want to do it. It doesn't really work like that. I'm not in that place. Is that not really? No, I don't think so. I don't think I'm as big as all that. But the, the, the thing I would say is if there's something I don't want to do, I don't have to do it. Right. So that is... Because you've made enough to feel comfortable, yeah. So. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I'm also, I'm not like, I don't um, drive, so I don't have a car. I don't have kids, so I don't have school fees to pay for. I'm, I'm, I'm not like crazy grand. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't drink very much, so I don't have to worry about that. I don't have a drug habit. I don't smoke. So I, I think it's just that my outgoings are a bit less. Yeah. But uh, no Milo, leave No that. Milo, stop it. I mean, I've known you sort of on and off and stuff, and I met you when you were with Kevin originally, I think. But yeah. I would say you seem, it was that French expression, happy in your skin. Like when I read the book, I think to be able to look back on your life with a sort <coughs> of, I tell you it's interesting. I think you were being... You talked about yourself in a way that I found really moving, but I also think you were kind to yourself. Do you know what I mean? You, were, you weren't hard on yourself. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's for other people to, to kind of um, reach conclusions about what they think the book is. And well, I'm the other person, it. and that's my conclusion. Yeah, yeah, no, and I appreciate that. <laughs> somebody, somebody uh, Graham Norton read it and said... And what does he say? Well, he said he liked about it was that there was no self-pity in it. And I thought, oh, that's good. I agree. Because I wasn't really aware of that when I was writing it, but I'm really glad if he thinks that, because I think that is a really, you know, I think that is a really unattractive... Well, ironically, though, sometimes when there's no self-pity, I find that even more moving, though, because it's matter-of-fact... Well, I just think that, you know, I think, I think there have been things in my life that have been really hard, yeah. but I don't think other people's lives are not hard. And I, you know, and I don't, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to write a, <laughs> write a book to say, oh, you don't realise no. what I've been through. Because I think no. that's, I don't, know what, no. I, don't know why, I don't know why anybody would do that. Well, 
I do think though, like I found it helpful. I had a period when I, lo I lost a lot of people. Like, like my sister died and then both my parents died. And it was one of those shitty few years. I'm sorry to hear that. And what, but what you said, Matt, about grief, I found really, I really liked. And I thought you said, um, should we go right? Uh, we can go up this way. Let's go left. Come on, Milo. Milo. Uh, actually, yeah, let's go, let's go right, actually. You said this way, yeah? Yeah, let's go this way. You said about grief. Sometimes it doesn't hit you then. You have a sort of slightly delayed reaction. Do you know what I mean? So you were saying, you know, you'll, you'll be fine and you'll keep going. And then suddenly it slightly hits you like a truck. A couple of years later, you think, oh, what's this? Yeah, well, and I... And everyone I, around you has used up their reserves in a way. I, I think that... Compassion. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I think what I meant to say was that sometimes, I mean, I, I, and I didn't do this, but I'm saying yeah. sometimes people, they feel obligated. There's that word again. Especially yeah. in this country, Britain, yeah, or collection of countries, I suppose, <laughs> uh, they feel obliged to sort of put that brave face on it and just crack on. Yeah. And actually, what happens is that you're oh, cool, dogs. Uh, what happens is that you you know you're not gonna you're not gonna not grieve. So, yeah. but if so, if you delay your grief by a couple of years, then when when you finally kind of confront it, everyone else has kind of moved on. Yeah. And then they and they don't cut you any slack. Yeah. So the thing I always say is that like, yeah, in the kind of month or two when something happens, you're just kind of in shock. But in those year or two that follows that, from having lost a partner and a parent, I would say unapologetically, unashamedly grieve if you need to and want to and have to. Mm. And don't th feel you have to spare anyone's blushes, not least your own, by sort of you know, by kind of compartmentalizing it. Because if you, come, if you come to conclusions a year or two down the line that really make you need to stop and grieve, people just, they, they won't comprehend it, they won't understand it, and they won't cut you any slack. Yeah. So, so use that time you have when someone dies, use it then and there, yeah. use it, and don't, don't drown your sorrows and don't do drugs and just just do it because I went to a therapist, a bereavement counsellor, and she just ask said, you, yeah, did you, yeah, and yeah. she just said, look, you're going to have this with you for the rest of your life, so it's up to you. Mm. You can either just kind of take drink and drugs, neither of which I was doing anyway, no. actually, I, I should say. You can either just take drink and drugs and and yeah. self-medicate for the rest of your life, or you can confront this now and reach some conclusions and and actually move on. And it was just the best advice anyone had given me. It's really objective advice. Do you find therapy useful? Often, yeah, I do. I haven't actually had it for for quite a while. Oh, have you not? Yeah. No, I've been kind of busy, and yeah. and I go. I don't. So I don't have it like every week. I mean, I'll go through periods where I have. You're not it for like a few in months. analysis, yeah, but you. No. It's interesting, Matt. I only ask because I I'd say I put myself in that category because I have weekly therapy, but yeah. then I sort of think actually I think it's a good thing to. If you know it's there, it's nice. You know, if yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, I, I, what I don't want to do, in saying that, I don't want to dismiss therapy or... I, I'm actually really pro-therapy and it's, it's really helped me in my life. But um, I think it's been really good for me. But me personally, I don't do it every week. I don't do it as yeah. a matter of course when, when there's something that is playing on my mind and I feel I need to, to, to figure out some conclusions. Then I go and see a therapist for you know a month or a few months to try and yeah. deal with it you know what i mean so so and so i definitely feel that i would definitely recommend it yeah 
the right therapist, definitely. And so we're getting cut back to your lovely little house now. Yeah. And um, it's cute. I'm really, I know, but I'm really enjoyed coming out with the dogs because I just think um, I've got a really small dog. I've got a Shih Tzu. Yeah. And it's a very different experience having a small dog. These are like this is like taking two big men out on a leash. Yeah. Do you they know do. what I mean? This way, boys. This way. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they're very willful. And I quite and like it though. And they've got strong personalities. And so when you walk them, you know, it, it, it's the three of you going for a walk. It's yeah. not you walking two dogs. Yeah. It's three of you going for a walk because <laughs> there's things they want to do, places <laughs> they want to go. And so you have to decide, well, okay, we were going to go here, but they really want to go there. All right, let's go and explore that. And you've got to look after them. And, and do you have, when you're in LA, do you have dog walkers or anything like that? Yeah, I've got some help in LA, but I do like to walk them as well. What's it I mean, like? I, do I don't you like never, LA? I don't it's never walk them. What's I mean, the I'm, best thing about LA? And what's I walk them every night. The difficult um, thing. Because everyone's so positive there, Matt. Whenever I go over there, they're all quite self-promoting in a brilliant way that I'm quite jealous of because they're like, hi, my name is... And I'm like, oh my God, I can't... Oh, oh. they're the neighbour's dogs. Mm. What are they like? They're very nice. <laughs> uh, the thing I think about LA is you yeah. have to make your own LA. You have to work really? out what it is for you because it's, it's kind of anonymous. Yeah. And so I just got there and I just made a few really good friends, close friends, some of whom I knew already from the UK yeah, that had yeah. already gone out there. Yeah. And you just have to decide what you want out of it. And I didn't go to LA looking for anything professionally. Yeah. So I'm very lucky in that regard because obviously. So did you go for more sort of personal reasons? Yeah, I, went, yeah. I just went to kind of Clear your to head, get some warm weather yeah. and just to get a bit a bit of privacy and a bit yeah. of just more for grieving, but also just for just to try it and and see. And then I'm I'm lucky because I can work out there. So yeah. so and I do work out there. But I'm not, I'm not there calling my agent up every week going, oh, Do you get everyone coming up to you about <laughs> Bridesmaids all the time? Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, because it's a really popular film out there. Yeah, and, it's so brilliant. It's so great. Yeah. But, okay, uh, Matt, I've got that final question. Do the do are the dogs allowed on the bed? Never, never. Really? Why yeah. is that? You're, you're not uh, a bed person. They, Too big. Oh, well, I think there's a few things, isn't it? One is they just would leave such a mess on that bed. And the mess I leave is bad I'm enough. I've had worse, babe. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> no, had they're very messy, and they're head. you know they walk in dirt and everything like that. So it's, it's from a hygiene point of view, it's not good. But also, you've got you know as much as you've got your space, the dogs have got their space, and it's like they have their bed, which I don't lie on, and I have my bed, which they don't lie on, and and yeah. they need their space, and I need my space. Yeah. And somebody told me that if your dog sleeps with you, then he starts to think he's higher status than you because he's occupying your space. And then, and then, that's not, that's not yeah, yeah. But the thing <laughs> is then when a dog thinks it's higher status, then the dog takes on all the worries of the house and all the anxieties. And Matt, the dog my becomes, dog sleeps at the top of the pillow. That's a bad right. sign. But it is a bad sign because then the dog will feel dominant, right? And then the dog will feel it has to protect you irregardless of everything. Yeah. And then every time the doorbell rings, every time anything happens, the dog is, is constantly on guard. He's so, on high Yeah, so in a way to say to a dog, here's your space mm. that you come to, and that's your area that you can, you know, do whatever you want over there. Then, and they clearly see that it's less than yours, that yeah. you're taking away the pressure of status from them. Well, that's what I've been told. Man, dog trainer. Yeah, that's You've what I've got been it told. Because I mean, I'd love to hug my dogs in bed. I mean, I'd love my dogs to sleep in the bed with me. It's yeah. not that I don't want to. It's just that I've been told it's absolutely not what you should do. The other thing is, yeah. dogs need routine. And so, because of my job, some nights yeah. I'm on tour, I'm, on, I'm away, 
And then it's no good for the dog if some nights they're in my bed and some nights they're not. And then some nights there might not be room in my bed for <laughs> two dogs. And then, then they're suddenly turfed out. And that's and no also, good. If there isn't room, if you know what I mean, yeah. you don't want them leaving you a little present either. Well, there's all of that. So you, yeah, Come exactly. On. So, so routine is really important for dogs. Okay. So they have their lovely beds. Uh, he uh, Hob sleeps in his bed. And Milo humps hey, his Milo humps his bed. I, I really love these dogs. Yeah, I think they're they've nice. got a really. Do you know what? I think they've got a very nice energy, like their owner. Yeah, I used to take Milo to Arsenal with me actually. Did you? You know, yeah. what? I'm impressed by. Not allowed. Anymore. I should say Matt Lucas today. Virtually everything he's wearing has some sort of Arsenal. Oh yeah, on I just it. didn't realise. But actually, my jumper and my and my jacket are both got Arsenal. He's pushing an open door here, babe. Yeah, you're fine. Both yeah. gooners, it's fine. Oh, we're all right. I really enjoyed this. Matt. Very nice Can to I see give you. you a hug? It's yes. so nice to see you. I know you've got to dash lovely. off now. Thank you very much. It's lovely to see it's you. It's been you. so lovely, Thank and you I love your book. And everyone needs to buy your book because it's so good. And L it's called Little Me. Little Me. I hope people like it. And um, yeah, no, they do. I can write something else. Don't know what. Oh, Matt, thank you so much. Right, you're going to get these boys in? Yeah. Say bye-bye. You don't bark, Milo, but Hob does. Hob, say goodbye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. And my dog thought for today is, why is it always good boy, never great boy? <laughs>